You're late. That makes me sick. Sorry, Johnny. I've already hit record. Just FYI. Oh, hello, microphone. I've already hit record. Yeah. FYI. Oh. Just That's in case cool. you say anything against Russians or something. I don't know. No, I don't. You don't fucking. I'm sorry. Offend our Russian um, cohort of listeners. No, you don't mess with the. You don't mess with big bad Putin. Well, no, you don't. He's a maniac with a lot of power, but. Um, I worry, I must admit, Johnny, I worry about what's going on, how this is going to escalate. I hope the uh, rumours of peace talks are a positive thing. He's already said he's going to, he's, uh, what, what were the words he said? Put his nuclear forces to the maximum. Uh... Well, it's kind of, I think they're just, they're saying they're getting preparedness or whatever the right phrase might be. But obviously that just means the US and everyone else is going to as well. Um, but I did say I read earlier in one of the tabloids that there's some sort of agreement to meet and start peace talks. So I'm hoping that this has some positive, fruitful uh, outcome. But if he's threatening nuclear stuff, surely his invasion of Ukraine can't be going that well. I think um, without knowing anything about it, I don't think it's going very well in terms of he's not um, succeeding in the overtake as much as he would like and that um, I heard or uh, read somewhere about the fact that he might be running out of financial backing to support the army and obviously the Ukraine army has did pretty well in defending off at the moment so surprising I think if they, def- if they defend in cities it's probably easier if you're the defender it, rather than attacking a city because they could be anywhere can they? they know the city really well they can just cross like chucking bombs at the windows and stuff yeah I don't know perhaps it's very much like the uh, difference between losing weight and gaining muscle no one's very much more difficult than the other mm. Mm. very very much more difficult than the other what do you think of my uh, shirt I'm wearing Johnny uh, I, I quite like the spit in it <laughs> for anyone that uh, isn't aware this is now uh, Sunday the 27th of February at 30 minutes past 8 and Liverpool have just lifted the Carabao Cup but if this were, if if this was Man United lifting a Carabao Cup, the Scouse fans would be complaining and whinging. Now it's only the Carabao Cup. Um, because they're yeah. not champs. They got Premier League this year. Oh. You're not. I mean, to be fair, it it's the probably lowest cup in pecking order of the domestic and European trophies. In all honesty, let's be honest. I mean, for me, it probably goes. Probably Premier League, Champions League, if I'm honest. I know some clubs might flip those around, but for me, I think I'd go Premier League, Champions League, FA Cup, um, Carabao Cup, I don't know, and then... Charity Shield. Charity, well, I mean, I was just thinking, obviously, you could start throwing in your World Club Championships and stuff, which I I rate as a something, that the fact that you have to do a lot to get in the first place, aka win the Champions League, even get in it. But I guess a lot of people think, oh, it's not really a cup, can you get two games? It's not a lot, but then it's like, well, you to get there in the first place, you've got to win the fucking Champions League. So, yeah, to get there is the hardest part. But you're playing effectively what are bum teams. I, I I disagree. I I partly agree with the sentiment in that the best teams in the world tend to be from Europe. But I wouldn't say bum teams because they watching obviously. The, I did watch a little bit of the recent one, obviously with Chelsea in it. I obviously watched all of the ones when we were in it in 2019, and I would say the teams were pretty good actually. Um. Bum teams, I think it's a bit too extreme. It's on the extreme end for me. I wouldn't say the bum teams. I would say actually they're strong teams, but you'd probably still hope to be favourites to win it. 
I think anyone who won the Champions League is going to be favoured to win it over there, aren't they? I would imagine. Yeah, I would think so. But I still rate it as a as a as a trophy to bring home. Plus, who doesn't want to be known as the best team in the world by winning the world, you know, like the world trophy? Yeah, so. But anyone who knows football knows you're the best team in the world if you win the Champions League. You don't need. There's no other competition above that that makes it more. That bit, I, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Really, I guess you know, if we hadn't put it this way, if we hadn't won the Champions League, would I still thought we were probably the best team technically in the world? Although I would say that actually, there's I'm gonna I'm gonna slightly disagree with myself and you there, in that. There has been times, and we were one of them in 2005, where, and you know, I think of other teams like Porto when they run up, won up with Mourinho, where they clearly weren't the best team in that competition, but still managed to win it. I mean, if you look at our team, we had the likes of Jimmy Traore playing, um, trying to think who else, Vadimir Smitsa, who to be fair was a top player for us, but would you kind of put him in a best team in the world? Probably not. Um, some of those players, even a Milan Barros, who obviously again was a good player for us. Have you got to put them in that top tier? Probably not. So I think if you were to think about would Liverpool deservedly won that trophy, yeah, I guess it's the kind of underdog spirit type thing perhaps. But I think if you were to look at where we the best team in it, absolutely not. In fact, I look back now, sometimes I think, how the fuck did we win it? Yeah. Especially what happened in the final. That's true. That is very true. But no, it's nice to, it's nice to get some silverware. Not, the thing is, I liken this again to um, anyone's got a goal and I hate talking about weight loss so much because I try my hardest not to talk about it, but I do sometimes find it the easiest thing to relate to. Um, and perhaps because that is possibly... Is it the easiest goal? Perhaps it's the easiest goal, I don't know. Perhaps it's the easiest goal for for the right demographic of people, perhaps. But it's, a, it's an easy thing to talk about. And um, I guess I like it to that, like, winning early silverware is a bit like getting a early scale drop type thing in terms of its motivation, its ability to push you to do more stuff that's right that's right and you and people should celebrate even the small things yeah. even the league cups because was it, I think it was actually was it um, she not died with a CEO I know Stephen Bartlett I know of him I've never listened to a full episode of his podcast however I know kind of what he's about and I know clips I've seen clips and stuff of what he does very good he interviews James Smith not so much about it does come up with like obviously nutrition training, but it's not all about that. More about him and what he's done and blah 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 blah. And he says people um, they got grand goals. Say like even though he, he goes back to you know, weight loss of like twenty kilos, then you were saying the feeling of losing one kilo is just the same as losing twenty. People think that. Just because you lose one kilo, it's going to feel worse than losing the total of 20 kilos, which might take you a year or whatever. And he likened it to people think that when you're rich, you're instantly happier. That's not the case. Mm. And it's like if you buy a Lamborghini, it's the same you know, dopamine response as if someone's buying a Golf, because it's all relative. Some, that person could have loved a Golf brand new, and the feeling of them buying that Golf after saving up is. <clears throat> Just as much as the guy who's saved up to buy a Lambo, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I guess like buying a golf for some people is like their dream car because their expectations are that they never even thought they could get a golf. You know, it could be someone that's riddled with debt or were riddled with debt in their life, really uphill battle in terms of the financial situation, and managed to work really hard, earn an income enough to then be able to buy like what they saw as their dream car, and that would probably for them in context feel amazing compared to the same, you know. In fact, I would probably say more. 
more than perhaps a rich person buying a Lamborghini mm. on the whole. I mean, I guess you could say, well, you know, like they might be the same sort of people that never thought they could buy a Lamborghini and they've become a self-made type millionaire or self-made like rich person, wealthy individual. And that like their status, their kind of iconic goal was to, you know, oh, you know once, I've, once I've bought a Lamborghini, I know I've made it. Perhaps they might feel the same way and that they've kind of built their business up to that, that way. But... but it's always the same, isn't it? There's always, is, is that, is it a video or picture of, you know, a guy who's stable who looks at a guy walking, wants to be like him. The guy walks, sees a bike, which he can afford a bike. The guy in a bike, which he affords a car. The guy in a car, which he can afford a supercar. The guy in a supercar, which he can afford a helicopter. The guy in a helicopter, which he can afford a, a private jet. And it just goes on and on and on and on. You're always looking at something else. Like, if you lose, whatever, even if you get your ultimate goal, right, I look like this. There's always someone better. Mm. There's always something, oh, well, actually, I could be like that now. And people always chase something rather than um, taking stock of what they've done and doing things to make themselves intrinsically happy, not doing things because media or other outside influences dictate that you should be, do, be a certain way. Mm. societal cultures and pressures and stuff like that yeah i think um this is where i like and obviously i'm not spiritual in any way in fact i got asked this question this week actually by um mr carlton uh carlton mcintosh um we were chatting about other stuff and randomly just says uh just by way are you spiritual and i was like hmm interesting i was like well I'm not, I'm not religious and he's like well i don't mean really mean re- kind of religious he kind of means more like like, are you spiritual? I said, well, I'm not really, I wouldn't call myself spiritual, but I would say that I'm reasonably introspective. I tried to be anyway, almost fight my own personality a little bit to be more introspective. Um, I would say like, I, I'm kind of, I see the benefits in things like mindfulness. I don't mean like, oh, mindful eating. I mean like just jet, like actual mindfulness and kind of being present in the moment and in kind of like happiness. I, th- I think mindfulness, presence, and of that sort of stuff does relate a lot to happiness. And I guess a lot when I think about these things, and the reason I brought this up is because I was thinking about what you just said there about like people idolizing kind of possessions and things. I guess like the idea of Buddhism and stuff and obviously relinquishing all things or like materialistic things, it kind of brings the road to almost to enlightenment. I know this is quite deep here. Um, is for someone as dumb as me anyway. But uh, I guess like that, that point is, I won't go as far to say that I think like shit doesn't matter. Because actually, I think it's nice to have nice things. It's nice to have goals to have nice things, even material things sometimes. But I don't think they should be the be-all and end-all of your happiness. And I know it's an easy thing to say because it's kind of like, well, how do you just suddenly go, well, all right, I'll just accept not having anything and then I'm still happy because I guess that doesn't even necessarily work either. But um, I think it's just nice to, like, I think money, like, it's, it's, it's stupid to think money doesn't matter. And it's stupid to think that, oh, it shouldn't be materialistic and money doesn't count for anything and you can be happy. No, I think... It's good to get to a point where, and this is all relative, and I think we've spoke about this before actually, but it's all relative to the individual about having enough money so you don't have to worry. Yeah. I guess so your bills are paid, you can afford to have the luxuries of whatever you consider the luxuries. And I kind of think about, which I heard on Rogan's podcast once, because I think he said someone like, um, what's his name, one of his mate comedians, oh, what's his name, Brian Callum, said something once about like, it's the, the, I think the, the contentment and the kind of time that you think you've made it and feel comfortable is when you can go out and buy a meal without having to worry about like the, how much the food costs. And that resonates with me a bit because I think actually, you know what? It just shows you kind of that's where you need to get to a bit of this financial freedom type area. And that freedom is not millions and billions of pounds for most people. Yeah, I'm thinking about it quite a lot lately. 
in terms of I, I follow a guy um, as I invest, and he and he's obviously a big investor, not a famous investor, but just a, a you know, big investor worth a lot of money, blah blah. And um, he said, oh, I got asked the other day, what is retirement? And he said, doing what you want to do, and not have to go to work, what you perceive as work, and go out to do something, and then that's retirement. And he's like, people worry too much about having these huge goals of like, I want to have 100 million pounds in the bank. He's like, well, isn't it just better to be, as you say, financially free? Say, like, let's just say you've got no mortgages, no real bills. You earn good money. You don't have to worry about how much a holiday costs. I'm not saying you, you can go out and buy a Lambo for cash, but like you can, every day you wake up and you do what you want. And the bills are paid, and you can do what you want to do, go for food, take the kids somewhere, go on holidays when you want. Not many millionaires do that, you. But I think it's like nutrition as well. And it's like people got lofty goals, and it's just like, well, why do you need that? Why do you need to go to there? I like thick skin shredded. Like, what for? Hmm. What for? There's no real punk in it when you would probably be happier not so shredded but have the ability to eat out when you want not be drastically food focused and be able to enjoy life rather than yeah your diet revolve life revolving around what you eat i think it's like contentedness and i know that's a really difficult place to get to for a lot of people because i guess what people's goals are especially when it comes to weight loss and this is the like the, the the more negative side of it. I think people's goals are when it comes to weight loss can often be driven by this n- unhappiness. And I, I don't. And I, while I understand people's goals being driven by discomfort, uncomfortableness, you know, kind of almost self hatred. If you really want to go to the extreme ends, and while I still work with those individuals, with on the premise of that, I want to try and change people's mindsets. And it might not start off that way, and I might give them a bit of what they want to to kind of then be able to give them a bit of what I think they need from like a coaching style perspective um I think like I don't know that, that's the kind of the darker side of, of of the industry and the darker side of people you know diet culture and why people want to have kind of weight loss goals because they feel like you know it's not to improve like a positive aspect of health be fitter kind of those sorts of things it's actually a I want to get rid of a negative thing like I want to get rid of my poor body image or I want to support my like confidence because I'm just so uncomfortable the way I look all that type of stuff and obviously it's quite a, it's a it's a rough place to be and I think a lot of this whole concept probably falls under the this kind of banner and the idea of like focusing on that contentedness and I think you get that contentedness when you focus on the process like I think most people I find when they hit like an epiphany in their journey epiphany got sound a bit epiphany um epiphany in their journey is when they find that place where they're, ha- they're kind of like almost content or happy with where they are. <clears throat> Excuse me. I suppose the easy way to describe that is like a lot of people go on, like as an example or an anecdote, people go on their journey and they'll work hard and they'll get like part of the way there. And they'll, you know, they'll make reasonable amount of sacrifice to get there. And, you know, they're having a jolly time. You know, it's not too bad. They've, they've had a lot of good success. But kind of to get that next level of success, I have to almost invest a lot more to kind of get that next bit. And I guess, again, like putting that into like con- more con- like understandable context perhaps is like you diet for a photo shoot and people find it relatively easy to get to like a reasonable level of leanness but then to get that next level of like like you said dick dick skin shredded to for like a bodybuilding comp there's a there's like a hundred percent more effort 
for only like 10% extra difference, if that makes sense. And obviously a lot of people then find that point where it's not worth it. And that's quite an extreme example and kind of like a weight loss driven example I know and perhaps not the best one. But I, think, I tend to find a lot of people get to a point where they're part of their journey and they're happy with their results but originally wants to kind of push further but then kind of make a decision to step back and realise that actually I'm quite content now with my lifestyle, the change I've made, the progress I've made and the extra bit that I thought I w- I'd wanted to get to isn't worth the, the whole additional load of sacrifice further I have to make. That makes sense? And I find a lot of people get there. Yeah. But it's like you watch these things on like related to money. These billionaires. Oh, I'd have to be like that. Yeah, but you wouldn't. With, I used to say to Charlie, but you wouldn't. Watch these houses or this house with 100 million. I said, but the, I bet you the people who own that house don't live in it very often because they're so flat out being that level of success that they can't really. I know some of they got billionaire, you can't enjoy it, but some of these people are just freaks. All they do is work. Mm. It's like, it's sitting near death with all they do is work. Mm. Didn't really enjoy much. I, I would I can I can relate that to like my so my uncle is reasonably wealthy to a point of where like he's not a multi millionaire by any stretch of that, but he's kind of got a successful enough business where he like but he he he's really he's just a BMW fanatic. So like every year he'd buy like a brand new M three or an M five or something, or, or every other year type thing, get a brand new one. And obviously they're like seventy, eighty grand cars, can afford that quite comfortably. Um the I eight came out and he went out and bought the I eight he'd been a BMW fanatic and you know, he's he's got a nice house so basically, reasonably what I would say, kind of well off and quite wealthy. Um, but he's worked seven days a week, and he's like he's notorious within like my parents, like who's obviously he's my dad's brother. If my parents are like want to spend time with them or go see, you know, as they do, go see your brother and Smith. Like there was a point up until a few years ago where they've kind of suddenly realised what's important, the kind of like a priority of importance in their their life now, where they just they'd say no all the time, or you'd go around, they wouldn't even have time to invite you in for a cup of coffee because they'd be too busy working. And obviously, it's, you do think to yourself. Is that really worth it? Like, is it worth that all that sacrifice additional for a bit of extra cash, you know, which you think is important at the time? And I think, like I said, the last five years, they've stepped back a lot from the business, spent far more time with, like, my my parents and stuff and just done more sociable stuff because they've realised that actually it's all well and good earning all this cash and saving up for retirement. But what happens if when you're then too old to even fucking enjoy the thing? I think it's a bit like if someone's obese, really obese, like you... It's like almost you've got to have a, a timeline where you've got to work hard for a, for a relative, smallish period of time compared to your life in order to get you in a place where you don't need to work as hard or you can just coast type of thing. Mm. It's just a bit like money in this. Like if you can, you'd have to start early, wouldn't you? But if you were like 18, you worked like a demon until you were whatever, mid-20s, late 20s, and you were successful enough to go, right, I don't need to work, then... You think, right, I've sacrificed 10 years of my life, but I'm young enough to do it, to then use that hard work in and, what's paid, um, and the payoffs to then enjoy life after it. Mm. Yeah. It's definitely a, tra- a trade-off. And it's like, if you're in your 60s and you've got, well, my 60s, like, but if you're in your 40s and you've got kids, you've not got them grow up. It's not worth it, is it? I don't think. I, de- I definitely see that in the kind of, again, in the kind of the, the diet space where I see um, people that, that kind of like working hard, getting the kind of the early work done and then having a lot more freedom later on in life by because of the hard work you've done. I see a lot of people miss that point when they start a journey, as in when you relate it to dieting, people miss that bit. Well, actually, 
I get that dieting bit done, and when I then kind of move to the, the the maintenance phase in air quotes, that's when you've got a lot more freedom because of the hard work you've done already. It allows you more freedom. People think you've got to diet and continue to save that money in air quotes forever, but actually you get a lot more freedom when you're then no longer dieting. Um, I don't, I don't know how we got onto or not how we got onto all that, but I guess like I guess it's an interesting topic, but obviously loads of different angles there. I, I have I have thought lately not so much doing nutrition, but I'm thinking there must be. There must be more. As in, obviously, I work for somebody else. I work shifts. I'm like, if I die tomorrow, they would replace me tomorrow with another number. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no matter how high up you want a business, unless you're the owner and you leave a legacy of the name of the building or whatever, you just get replaced. I'm like, is it worth spending your life working for what, 40 years, whatever? probably 50 years to then retire and then just enjoy if you've got enough money when you're 16 like there's got to be something to do to get somewhere to, to retire mm. faster as in like retire as in do we want every day mm-hmm. I am um, often have the same sort of feelings but I sometimes I sometimes wonder about well not everyone can be millionaire billionaire type people not everyone can kind of even necessarily do the jobs that they like dream of doing because obviously i guess it's kind of like everyone would say like, oh you should never do a boring job that you don't enjoy going to and i kind of agree you shouldn't go into a job that you should never go and do a job that you hate going to like if you get filled with dread every day going to a job find something different yeah. um and, and it might not always be i think the dream job that you always dream of doing like if you were working a nine-to-five job at a whatever like corporate type job but you've always dreamed of becoming like a, a, a fitness trainer or a nutritionist or someone like in this sort of fitness space where you wanted to kind of help really like or really help people improve their lifestyles and their lives you wanted to kind of the, the lifestyle and the flexibility yourself of kind of working in the fitness space whether that's kind of even in face-to-face or whether it's on in the online world um you might not not everyone can do that because not everyone can make money out of it not everyone's suited to the skills to do it. And some some people have to accept that you might end up doing jobs that you don't really like doing and i have these thoughts about something i think like Whenever I have a bad day and I think, oh, this isn't what I should, how I should spend life. There's got to be more to life than doing this stuff. Sometimes I think to myself, well, actually, is it that bad, or am I just having a bad day? Trying to put into some perspective. And I think to myself, actually, I guess, yeah, we all need to earn money. Perhaps it's just kind of an acceptance of that. I don't know, maybe this is a really negative way of looking at it. And maybe people will be shouting down the, down the headphones saying, no, you shouldn't just put up and accept that you've just got to earn some money and that you know. But I don't know, I think sometimes you, you kind of have to accept that you do things you may not absolutely love. And again, a bit of an analogy to back, relate to nutrition. Sometimes you have to eat foods that are not the most enjoyable things in the world. Not, not every food can be cheeseburger and fries. Sometimes you have to eat broccoli and chicken. Self-awareness is the key, isn't it? Being self-aware of your skills and how good you are at certain things. Like some people are just not meant to be the CEO of a big company, are they? No. I'm not. Try. Like you just haven't got maybe the skill or the or the life to be able to do that. It's just like with it's just the same as nutrition and people, women, men, whatever. They want to go. I want to be mega shredded. I want to be this one. Be that. It's like well, your life may not be supportive of that. If you got, you know, a couple of, you know. Newborn babe, newborn twins, whatever. You're up every night for two years, which is very plausible. Then 
what's the chance of you being able to control appetite every day and train at the max every day? Probably, I said it can't be done, but it's a, it's a lot harder, isn't it? So people need to be self-aware of the circumstances of what they can and can't do. Like, I'd love to be the, the you know, CEO of a multinational, but like, I know I, it's not for me. I know I'm not the personality to be like that. Hmm. I'm all, not a manager. All the skills, all, all the, the all the intelligence. No. All the good looks. I got them. I'm a white belt as well, so you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a white like, belt as well. I like it. <laughs> uh, I'm a white belt. We haven't any BJJ chat. Amy's going to be very disappointed. Uh, I'm going tomorrow night now. She, Amy, uh, I saw on her, on her stories earlier, she said something about like a night out with her girls. She said, can you beat a night out at BJ's? And I'm assuming she means Buffalo Joe's because I know it's a um, a burger, chicken wing type place that is in Bishop Stortford near where she lives. And um, I replied, BJJ's? As in, like there is definitely something better than BJ's. How about BJJ's? And obviously, I got a rolly-faced emoji sent back to me. Rolly-eyed-faced emoji sent back to me saying, ugh, typical. She wasn't impressed, was she? No, she wasn't. But... She'll, 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 uh, she'll come to the, she'll see the light. I don't think she will. I think she's got that personality that the more we bug her, the more likely she's. It's a bit like when you're arguing with keto people. The more you argue about how keto shit, um, the more they dig it and say it's the best thing ever. Yeah, that is true. Hmm. I'm gonna do a double session for gi and no gi. Gi and no gi. I'm gonna do a no gi Tuesday. And I'm gonna do a no gi Wednesday. That's what I'm gonna do. Good, good. Start getting some armbars and some kimuras. Yeah, because the last two weeks, because of my shift, I just haven't I've only been once last week and the week before. Mm-hmm. Is that what goes? But now, the sh- when the shifts come round, I can go three times a week, three mm-hmm. more. That's the thing with shifts, isn't it? Yeah, I am um, bringing this back to kind of training and nutrition, as 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 is the podcast topics i suppose all these podcasts yeah topic um i had the conversation with my client david um david barber today actually about he so he broke his ankle unfortunately uh eight or nine weeks ago something like that um which was obviously a bit of a bummer for him but he's done really well in terms of trying to, to use his nutrition to support his recovery and kind of deal with the emotional side of it all in in potentially things like progress being halted and all this sort of stuff um, but he's kind of got back into a gym this week so he can now kind of put some weight on and walk again with like a boot on. Obviously, he's been on crutches and stuff before. And we were talking about how, like you said about training there, but oh, I can get in three times a week, whatever. Um, he's just so desperate to get in and train like 18 times a week. And I'm like, well, you can only train upper body at the moment. You can't even do any single leg work or anything like that to kind of do any lower body because um, the stability of the other leg is still causing too much pain. And obviously, he's not allowed to do any any single leg stuff yet. And um, he just wants to like train chest about every day. I'm like, well, you could do that, but obviously you could have really low volume sessions. You're probably better off just training two or three times a week and just trying to uh, not smash yourself into five or six times a week. It is always that. It's always that thing of I want to get back. I want to get better faster. I want to get bigger faster. I want to lose weight faster. It's always about. It's, it's never about. It's hard to look long term in it. Yeah, it's 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 good because he's got obviously like really good motivation. Like he's really motivated to one recover, but two obviously continue his journey and progression, um, which a lot of people could easily let something like a broken ankle really just derail and just take you off your off the kind of like the emotional side, and end up just sticking arms, going to fucking pack it all in because can't be bothered. He hasn't done that at all. And he's been brilliant, uh, like brilliant as a client, and um, 
yeah, it's almost like trying to hold them back as the hard part now. Like saying, nah, mate, don't, don't go and smash yourself like five times in the gym. That's just because you're going to end up seeing less progress because of it because you're just basically overtraining. I know a lot of people don't, oh, there's no such thing as overtraining, just under recovering. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess there's some cleverish programming you could possibly do to kind of split like chest, back, thighs and tries, shoulders, some of the stuff you can do. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it, the holding back part is almost the difficult part for someone who's so motivated. I find that with jujitsu mind. I think oh, I'd love to train six days a week. Mm. You'd end up destroying yourself. Yeah, you'd end up not going to work. In fact, I had this exact conversation this week with a guy called Matty who has stopped going five days a week and he's going down to three days a week for that exact reason. Because he said he found himself, he's got obviously some sort of manual job, and he found himself going home at like one, two o'clock some days now because he's just so tired obviously like i don't know if it's like joints aches fingers ache and all that type of stuff and he's just like mm, i need to cut back because there's no point me doing all this and i can't even go to work as much as i love it mm, yeah i i find that you, you're thinking right oh, i want to be i want to go four times a week so if i go four times a week i'll get whatever blue let's just say blue belt in it but i don't do much game but still you know i want to get the equivalent of a blue belt quicker be like well if you're 35 now there's no reason why you can't train obviously you won't be in the same intensity in your 50s it's like Fit you've got 20 years it's mm. like what's, what's really the rush because I feel like I, you go on to like four or five days a week thinking I am fucked all the time and I can't mm. I couldn't train I'd be in a gym and I couldn't squat because my, sho- my shoulders I didn't have the mobility to move my arms back to a squat mm. I could only safety bar squat and I was so fucked I was squatting like 60 kilos thinking fuck me this is heavy yeah I think um, that's, this is what Matt was saying about how He's like, I think in his mind, he's saying, look, I'm a lifer anyway. So kind of doesn't matter if other people progress quicker than him because they're going more often or does it matter that obviously he's not progressed as quick as he could possibly do? It's kind of like, well, I'm going to be doing it forever. So no, it doesn't really matter, does it? If you're going to be going for the rest of your life, it doesn't really matter how quick you, you go forward. Because you do find out, like we've had, there's been, a, there's been a few fundamental classes, three fundamental classes. Obviously, a lot of them stay with the gi. And you feel one or two come to Nogi type of thing. You do find though, a lot of them. I say a lot. Not all of them stay. Most of. Uh, I actually asked this comment. I asked Simon, my coach, a couple of weeks ago or something. I said, "How, how often do people stay around?" Because I was thinking the reason I thought about it is I thought there's actually only two people out of my like ten, twelve people that did my like initial fundamentals course. Um, only two. There's only me and one other guy called Charlie still about. And I was like, "There's two people. Like, obviously, it's only me and him. Like, there's been." maybe two or three again blocks since of people and again i can't think many people have actually stayed around like after me as in like more newbies that are still here now i think most of them came for like a block like i know some people finished the fundamentals and then joined in kind of the main classes um so kind of the newbies joined in with a regular timetable but again a lot of those seem to just like after a month again just disappear i think it's one of those sports where i don't, I don't think it's just this sport that's the thing I don't think it is. No, it's probably not. And it, it's like, it, it's, it's like, I suppose it's like any martial art, you're, especially for the man, as men, there's more ego as men than as women in it. And it's like, in jiu-jitsu, let's just say, you're the, you're the white, you're the only white belt and everyone else is a blue and above. And if that class stays the same for years on end, you're going to get smashed for years on end. Obviously, you're going to, you might get better, you might submit him, but, Unless you've got a mentality, go right. It's going to take me a long time to get very good. As long as I can see little progressions, or that guy normally submits me five times around, now it's only twice. 
you fast your progress rather than going I think people especially like people who train who think they who are, who are relatively strong who are bigger who've got ego when they get nailed by someone who's four stone less they like they don't like it and then it's almost like it's the same with a lot of things then like if they don't like it they just want to shy away from it rather than go through it and come out better the other side and maybe that's what it is especially but maybe maybe it's not maybe people think fuck me this is this is horrible getting your getting your fucking face smashed by face that should be a throat pounded strangled ripping your fucking arm apart it's like mm, fingers broken toes bent all that type of stuff what is it one of Shelley's clients he's a plasterer and he done a fair mental score so he's like I'm fucked all the time I'm not sure I can carry on because I'm a self-employed plaster I'm like sorry to see your point yeah because if yeah. you're training twice a week and, and it's hard isn't it when you're even you're probably in, until you're capable which is probably a blue belt which may be two years who knows you're probably going to ache more because you're getting smashed more until you're the until you're the hammer which depends on the class you're in you might never be then you're going to be aching a lot you? yeah I think um, especially like if you're a plasterer things like your fingers and joints in gear especially obviously because of the gripping um just such a hard thing you over reliant on certain tools to start with aka grips especially that's why this conversation we had like two weeks ago on the podcast we said about how i find it i believe it's easier to defend in gi than no gi because of the fact that gripping is such a strong defensive measure and obviously you take it away in gi you don't have that but in gi but the problem with that is it is a defensive measure but you could become so over reliant on it that you become damaged as in like your fingers your joints the gripping your forearms burn out it just becomes like you over reliant on it and i think as the better you get you have to become less reliant on grips and kind of more reliant on jiu-jitsu technique and stuff i think i think i could be wrong it's probably easier to go from no gi to gi because you're used to not gripping now you've just gone from I've got a few grips in this position to have in. I've got considerably more now. I think it's I think it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy, but I think it's easier to go from no gi to gi than it's the gi to no. Mm, not yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if I, I don't know what I think about that really. I'm not saying you're wrong because I don't really. I'm genuinely not sure. I'm not sure what I think. Um, right. It's it's hard because obviously the gripping just makes such a big difference. Like it just changes the like everyone think oh is, is it really that different? But being able to hold some onto something because I guess what well, obviously when you're no gi for people that don't know you're wearing like a a, a tight under armor type t-shirt or some and like some spats so like you know like cycling shorts like or like very tight short type things or leggings um obviously there's nothing to grip so it does change the technique of what you do quite considerably i think but i think a lot of the point of a lot of this stuff i was talking about and what i kind of want to relate it back to people listening in terms of saying oh, i'll just talk about fucking bjj again um i think this whole thing about it is just shows how important in any endeavor is that kind of idea of consistency uh, again conversation i had with dave but there's some stuff we were talking about about kind of what's the oh, what is the i need to know more about kind of like the the technique and the kind of the science behind training and and strength and conditioning and it's kind of like, well, obviously, clearly there's some fundamental principles in terms of the stuff that you need to know. But I sent him a picture of like the um, textbook I've got, which is the Brad Schoenfeld one. Was it Strength and... I can't remember what it is now. I think it must be like Strength and Hypertrophy. The principles of Strength and Hypertrophy or something like that. I can't remember what the exact title was. One of his first books. And I sent him a picture of the first page. It's all about kind of like the, the cellular functions in, in kind of like muscle cells and stuff. 
And I was like, I don't understand half this shit. Like, talk about Sarkomirs and, you know, God knows what else. I'm thinking, like, actually, no one needs to know this stuff. Like, when they're training, this is just the, the science behind, like, why hypertrophy happens is just so unneeded for pe- most people. What they really need to know is kind of just get that fundamental basics in place in terms of the actual practical training parts about, you know, training quality. So, um, controlled form for a full range of motion um to a point where it's kind of intensity is difficult enough where it becomes a like challenging which is kind of like the point of like close enough to value uh, in in your exercises and obviously that can be different depending upon each individual's preferences and each individual's goals and stuff whether you get failure two reps and failure i guess the consensus as long as you're kind of roughly within five sets five reps to kind of failure and then doing enough sets aka volume to keep progression happening there's not not much more you need to do and i said that the secret is actually once that's in place just keep doing it consistently that's what i mean about consistency it just seems to be like everyone misses that secret everyone's what's the secret to muscle growth like how do i get big keep doing it and come back in 20 years that's how you get big compound interest in it start off small lens have been huge over over a long period of time mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like anything isn't it? it's like anything that's worth doing it takes because nobody is born with being a professional in something like nobody's just obviously people got natural well talent you you were to be fair what you were born you were born into professional wanker weren't you yeah right yeah <laughs> I used to be doing multiple times a day when I was younger but not so much anymore alright sorry I meant I meant more like a different type of wanker but yeah you meant a, lit, a literal wanker <laughs> yeah I hope you weren't born that way actually that's be that feels a bit wrong and disturbing Whatever, I'm not. I'm not uh, I don't mind. Anywho, <laughs> is the overarching theme of everything. Of everything, mm. people look too far in the future. I think rather than concentrating what's happening right now. I think that goes back to your mindfulness thing and, mm. own, and, and focusing on the process, yeah. not the outcome. People worry about the past and the future, and not worry about what's happening right now. Never reading a book before. BFG? Hmm? BFG? No. A little bit more advanced now. Mm. I used to like Charlie, uh, not Charlie and Chocolate Fetch, what's the other one? George's Master's Medicine. That's what I used to like. Oh, it's not. I can't be. Oh, my God. Anyway, it it, it was basically just talking about it's difficult for people in general to be unhappy if you just concentrate on what's happening right now not what's happened in the past or what may you don't know what's going to happen in the future people live in the past or the, pre- or the past or the future they don't live in the now which is like it's the same and it's like well oh my god I'm still forced and overweight and then they just forget about what's happening in the day right as long as I just do prepare this meal I go training da 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 and over time I'll get to what I want to be. I said I want to be a black belt, but it'll take me ten years. Yeah, I so say there's there's a good chance, mate. You may never be a black belt, as sad as that sounds. It could be, that could very very, very bloody hell, very well be the case. But that's I think, cool. yeah, the goal, you know, break it down, isn't it? Oh, I think I think right. that's. Sorry, man. I was gonna say I think that's the point, though. Like, if 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 if, if realistically, you may never become a black belt because bear in mind you're starting the age you are. Um, 
and also to be fair you might not even have the talent you never know do you really but you might never become a black belt if you were to then let that kind of damage your motivation and really get into your psyche about it all you might just give up whereas if you just focus on the fact that you just fucking love jiu-jitsu and actually as much as you would love to be a black belt that's not the goal the goal is just to enjoy what you're doing it's a whole different concept and you've got a whole a whole different out uh, you will actually end up with a whole different outcome 100 percent, 100 percent. the same thing goes with it's, it's not so much in the fitness industry so people always focus on outcomes as in the end outcome not the process and people are shoehorned into oh you've got to run to, to lose weight you've got to bike you've got to go in the gym you like and then people are just i don't like this stuff okay you may have to do certain things you don't like to get to the goals that you have, but people just do things consistently they don't like, and then they wonder why they never get to where they need to be. If you enjoy the process, finding the finding something you can focus on every day that you enjoy will inevitably get you to your goal, whether it be faster or slower than what you would have been if you didn't if you did think you didn't like every day, hmm. and just didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this this whole topic, kind of, or podcast episode is focused around the topic of that idea of process versus kind of end goal or or, or outcome based goals. And I guess mm. it's one of those things where it's a really dip. Like everyone talks about the fitness industry; it's like a well known thing. Everyone understands it. Or certainly in my little echo chamber, anyway, like, oh, you should always focus on the process and whatever. But I think in practice, it's one of those lot more difficult things or difficult concepts. Because even like, I don't know, the types of conversations I had with the likes of Dave and you know, more recently and some other clients around making sure we do focus on those kind of those, that process, those actions that you have to do day in, day out to get to that, you know, or it's going to take you closer to that goal. And obviously the importance of focusing on them is still not an easy thing for people to do. No, definitely not. Because I think people are still influenced by other people as well. It's, it's, I think it is quite difficult to be solely intrinsically motivated and not let anything from the outside influence you. I think your brain would have to be bulletproof. Mm. I don't think many people have. Like, I'm influenced by people I train with in my car. I'd love to be as good as him. I hope, oh, I, want to, I want to be training as much as he does. It's like, well, different people motivated by different things, different skill. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough one. I think, um, I think the uh, uh, the bet. Hmm, what's going to say? I think, I think where people become, where, where people more positively get to that kind of almost intrinsic mindset around goals, rather than that extri- extrinsic motivation, is where they almost change, or they they recognise what their values, or their values change, and their kind of almost identity changes. And this is. I don't know why this keeps relating to conversations, actually. I suppose maybe I should know why it does, but conversation I had with a client, Kerry, so shout out to Kerry, um, on Saturday this week, we were talking about almost that, um, kind of thinking about, like, focusing on that, again, that process and those, the kind of, like, your almost intrinsic values. And she said herself about how she feels like her identity's changed. Actually feels about, like, the things I'm now doing are, I'm partly doing them because I see myself as the type of person that does them. As in, like you know, a sportsman does does these sports. You know, if you're a footballer, like your whole life focuses around what a footballer's like a stereotypical footballer would do type thing. So you know, you know, you eat like a footballer, you train like a footballer, blah blah blah. And I think she's found herself kind of that's trying to change her identity to a certain point where 
it helps her motivation to do the action she wants to do because almost like her values and what she thinks and what she really values now has helped her change identity as a person that exercises as a person that eats well that type of thing or person that focuses on her food quality and stuff which i guess is is a is a really positive thing for the most part because obviously it does keep it does help that motivation it does really align them with that real intrinsic power and obviously how much more powerful that is than kind of the extrinsic motivations that some people kind of start with clearly it can obviously go a long way go a wrong way sometimes where people's identity changes so far that that it almost like consumes them where it becomes everything and obviously if they then kind of step outside of that identity it becomes a real fucking problem like you often see that people like orthorexic say where they fitness they are fitness everything about them is fitness and a second you get a any endeavor like where they want to have a normal social life and someone wants to invite them out for burger and chips they can't do it because it doesn't relate to their identity of fitness you can you could almost understand that behavior if you are an elite sportsman or woman i think you could see right at least there's rationale behind why you behave like you do because you're the olympic champion you pay you play for a top Premier league club but then for normal people, I don't think that behavior is ever really a positive, is it? For normal uh, people. No, no. I, th- I think it's kind of like a lot of things. It's finding that balance and that like, kind of like sweet spot of where using that thing where you really kind of look at your values and look at your, let that change, let that be your identity to a point where your actions are taking you closer or actions work in line with your values and take you closer to your kind of like value driven goals um but not to a point where it's like so over consuming like i say where that becomes everything i think it's finding that sweet spot which because obviously you know it's all well and good or i guess the, the the negative side might be that you just have no values and you have no identity and you just don't have any motivation because you have no intrinsic type drivers they're all extrinsic stuff about oh oh i just don't i feel like shit and i don't like the way i look in a dress and that's what's going to drive me to want to lose weight or that's kind of like well actually perhaps losing weight is not your problem and perhaps actually if you looked at the your real values you'd have a different goal and your goal might end up being about improving your body image or improving your relationship with food and that type of stuff instead if that makes sense um we are can you believe it johnny we're already 40 minutes 46 minutes in it's gone quite fast unbelievable it has actually it's gone very fast um unlike the Liverpool game earlier which seemed to last forever which i know obviously it did go to extra time which is why and also 22 penalties did you i take you did you actually watch any no no went 22 penalties hot, hot, literally went the whole way round. kevin missed any he did last person to take one which was ironic given that they brought him on with 30 seconds to go in extra time just to take just to to go up against penalties didn't save a single penalty and was the person he missed so that worked out well that's something to De Gea isn't it or De Gea's crap I'm like if you're missing from 12 yards out you were shit not the keeper Uh, it's your fault I, th- I think I definitely think goalies are you know you kind of got a bit free pass as in the state goalies trying to not if they're taking one but obviously the 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 person save the goalie generally is like a hero or meh. Yeah. Like it's not very often they're ever going to really kind of make it, make not make a mistake, but goalies aren't the ones in trouble, are they? Um, was Alisson in goals? You what? Was Alisson in No, goals? we didn't. So we he put in um, Kahim Kelleher still as a bit of an homage, I guess, the fact that he's played every other round, which I'm glad, which is obviously, again, you couldn't really write it given he then was took the 
what ended up being the winning penalty because obviously the last two people take penalties because it's gone around the entire team to so follow the two goalies. So he took his, scored it, and then um, Aliza Balaga obviously didn't. Wow. But I, I, I agree with this. I think um, I heard Rafa Benitez say this once about Pepe Reina about how goalies should always be good at penalties because all they do is all day is kick fucking balls. So they should be one of the best strikers or best people to strike a ball on that team probably. Because they're like just punting long balls, like kicking balls long, taking goal kicks stuff all the time. And it's like, well, yeah, I get that. I guess there's an element of like just then doing that in a pressurised environment in front of whatever, which clearly he didn't do very well at. He just stepped back a little bit and ballooned it over the bar. That's as how it is as a keeper. Now. I don't think keepers don't take penalties. They no. generally the pressure. It's not generally all a goalkeeper in a match, is it? No. I think the uh, just the the irony is that whole the fact that he only came on. To, to basically save penalties obviously they, like I said they, they, they obviously, I think it spent 15-20 minutes in the dressing room beforehand clearly researching I guess which way players were going to go and stuff and then they brought him on at like 28-29 minutes and then in extra time and then didn't even save one that's how the cookie crumbles isn't it it's like yeah. people blaming De Gea for Man United losing it's like no I mean on his day he has been one of the best keepers in the world mm. say oh he's shit because he can't save penalties it's like well the penalties should be good enough that keeper can save it Keeper saving a penalty, you were fucked it up. Yeah, I, I think, I think most people, most football fans, will say that like a penalty shootout is basically as good as a lottery, and yeah. most people like can empathise the fact that no, like it's the worst thing losing at penalties. No one wants to lose at penalties. Not you know, so I think they said in the commentary today, like, oh, this is before the actual penalty shootout happened. But they were saying like the penalty shootouts, it's like the, it's the best way to win, but it's also the worst way to lose. And I'm like. To be honest, it's the worst way to lose, definitely. But it's not even like I said. I didn't even enjoy winning that way. I'd much rather just won it in normal time because it's horrible to watch. Didn't enjoy it, and when we did not win, yes, I had a bit of a celebration. Think of that, but that's almost that like just relief rather than like excitement. I was more relieved than happy. <laughs> that makes sense. I was like fucking hell. I know what you mean. Um, I think we'll just wrap it up there. Hopefully, got some value out of it. Of of just kind of some fireside chat, almost. You know, no real topic really, but um. Quite enjoyed it, Jonathan, actually. So, good. And that's the main yeah. thing. Yes, I do like a good chat, I like hmm. Um Obviously, everyone listening, please, uh, new 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 product alert on Eileen. Oh. Can't say what it is, though, because it's a secret. Although, it might actually be released tomorrow. So, by the time this podcast comes out, um, I probably would be able to say about what it is. But um, I won't, just in case. But new product alert. Keep an eye out for that. Obviously, if you want to support the show... You can go buy some cheese from Eat Lean and use NNN10 for a little cheeky discount. That will support the show. Or um, one of the other best things you can do for us is please, please, please just share a little um, thumb thumb print. No, not thumb print. What's it? Uh, thumbnail? Screenshot? Screenshot. That's the word I'm looking for. Bloody hell. Uh, share a little screenshot on your socials. Tag us in. Let us know so we can thank you to say thank you for sharing. Um, just to get out to more people and just, like I say, if you want to support the show, that's probably one of the best ways you can do it. So thank you very much. Anything else, Jonathan? I think you've covered it all. Great. Okay. Let's say au revoir, bonjour, and have a great sleep. Yeah, of Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week. Yeah.